The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently, we shouldn't vote. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, I Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers in the house and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of the radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right. You can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and there you're going to see two videos at the top of the page. The one on the left side of the page is Bradley's show from the previous day. So if you missed that and you want to catch it, you can do so up until 3 o'clock this afternoon, Eastern, at which time he'll be live in that little area right there. That's right. We take Big Bradley Dean, and we put him right in that little box there. On the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button. Blow it up on whatever device you got. Look for the Rumble icon, bottom right-hand corner, and then click on that. Join us in the chat on Rumble. We've got a lot of friends over there in the mornings, and uh, so join in there with them. While you're over there, subscribe to the channel, please. The channel is Sons of Liberty Radio Live, Sons of Liberty Radio Live on Rumble. And then also we're on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page, and we appreciate those guys giving us a spot over there as well. Right up under where we're streaming live on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com is where you can sign up for the email newsletter. That goes out once a day, late afternoon, early evening. All our articles are on there, including the Morning Show Archive. So all the stuff we're going to have today, we're going to talk about, that will all be linked up there. You'll get a podcast. You'll get a, uh, a video of, uh, of the show as well. And then all the links, including all of the articles from the previous day on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. So be sure and uh, check that out as well. Now, you guys know that um, that I went to Red Pill Ex Expo uh, a couple of weeks ago. Actually, it hasn't been two weeks yet, but uh, about about two weeks ago. And uh, it was it was great because I got to to actually meet in the flesh a lot of people that we've had on the show. And of course, you guys have seen uh, my my and Kate's uh, uh, Benny Hill version. I guess that's what it was. I don't know, but it was it was a lot of fun uh, to do to the interview with her. I also did one with Dr. Lee Merritt, and I don't know why. I think it was because we did it as a lot of people got in the room. And it got really loud, so it, it didn't pick up the audio so well. Sorry about that. You just have to turn it up real loud and put your earbuds in or something. If you want to watch that or whatever. But uh, Dr. Lee was there, and I, I get to do this before I bring her on because she's our guest today. I, I showed her. Kate, if you guys remember, the first time we had Dr. Lee on, 
uh, I was reading her bio and she says, I'm a, I was a bodybuilder. I said, we got to talk about that before we talk about anything. Cause I was just kind of blown away by that. And uh, so Kate gets back from red pill and apparently Dr. Lee has showed off how buff she was then. And Kate goes, you got to see this. It's unbelievable. Check this out. This is Dr. Lee. She, she, what she, she tells, I'm going to let her straighten it out here. Cause she's laughing. Uh, but I'm gonna let her straighten it out. She, she was in bodybuilding, but she was in the physique uh, category, and uh, she did she did really well. I I, I just I, I'm very impressed. I really am. And uh, as always, always gives a great show. We have a great time together. Dr. Lee Merritt, welcome back to the Sons of Liberty. <laughs> okay, Kate's on my hit list now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? No, that's okay. <laughs> Dr. Lee, I, I tell you, all the people there that I met at Red Peel were so kind. Uh, just great, one, great. what a great bunch of people. And of course I had to go to, uh, I had to leave half the day on Sunday because of my plane. And uh, so I went looking for Kate. I was going to tell her bye. I was going to tell his people bye. And I saw Dr. Lee at a table and I said, I, I'm going to tell you bye, but do you know where Kate is? And uh, she said, I don't know where she is. Where are you going? I said, I'm going to catch a shuttle and jump over here to the airport. She goes, no, let me drive you. So she was kind enough to drive me and we walked out to the car and I said, of course you is no substitute <laughs> now if you guys don't know, recognize that that's the tom cruise after he drove his dad's porsche all over the place anyway you were very <laughs> kind to drive me there and i appreciate that very much and i tell you you're just you're just a genuine person you know you you run into some people and they're one way when they're on screen and then when you meet them they're like cold as ice or something like that dr lee is very warm and and friendly and i i appreciate your friendship more than anything i really do so we, I, you gave a present presentation at Red Pill, and they're not going to have the DVDs out for like a year or something. I called about that. So I asked, would you come on? Would you kind of lay that out to the people as far as what you laid out about these bloodlines, about the, the same people who gain power and money and use that money to expand their power, pass this on to their kids and they keep it in the family, so to speak. It's almost, it's incestuous uh, is what it is. Tell people why that's so important to understand when we're dealing with the enemies that we're dealing with. Right, and I, 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 I and I appreciate your kind words, and that that, that uh, we'll we'll expunge that video or that picture later. But you know, it wasn't bad for a sixty-three-year-old. But uh, no, I, 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 I'll start by saying what I said at Red Pill, and that is that uh, quote by my friend Patrick Gunnels. He says, "Sufficiently advanced intelligence is indistinguishable from madness." So I was a little nervous about giving that speech and getting up there and saying things that, you know, this is a little off the beaten track. But it's where the data leads. In my opinion, this is where, if you look at history, you look at archaeology, you look at um, uh, genetics, that's the big one. Uh, there are a lot of things that all show the same kind of issue, and it's a bloodline issue. And, you know, I, I start always because in 2011, Gladfelter, who's a Swiss economist, he looked at all the corporations in the world. There were 137 million of them at that time. And he put, this is when supercomputers first became, you know, available for the average guy, I guess. And they put all this data into a supercomputer to figure out who's really controlling all these. Are they really all independent? Are they related or what's going on? And they discovered that those 137 million corporations were owned by 147 companies. And then Forbes mashed that and said, well, that's a, those are, those 147 companies are actually controlled or owned by four or 10 big banking firms. And then somebody else said, well, if you know how funds work, there are four big funds that work 
and that own those those that control those banking firms and they're controlled by 150 men so essentially you have in charge of over 85 percent probably it's over 90 percent now because in covid they consolidated their wealth um you've got all the money in these corporations 90 percent probably in the world in the hands of about 150 men you know as david ike says you know, you can put the people running this show in a room and plenty of room left over. I think I see a way out of this. There's six or there eight and a half billion of us. And that is exactly right. But here's here's the punchline on how they're successful. As you said, they they keep the money very close and they make you it's done by deception and by legalisms. And this all relates back to ancient Babylon. The people that we're dealing with, you know, when you try and like, look at Maui, look at what just happened in Maui. Now, this is really since since uh, Red Pill. Ma- that's not an organic fire. You know, we ha- well, it's not completely since Red Pill because we had a guy there at Red Pill that was uh, a forensic arborist. If you saw that lecture and he he showed the trees were standing and the buildings were the cars were melted, but the tires were there. The, the blue umbrellas were there. The, um, the buildings were gone. They were just reduced to ash like, like the 9-11 ash, but, the, but there were still trees and wildlife around it. It doesn't make sense. Wildfires, you know, like I live in the prairie, wildfires, they, they blow across the prairie and they took everything in their path. Now, they didn't always kill every tree in the path, but they, you could see that it went across. There was a progression of these fires. That isn't what we saw in Maui. So those, that's a directed energy weapon. We have a Pearl Harbor event, and we're not paying attention to it. We're treating it like it's just, you know, a naturally occurring event. It's not. And so if we believe it's a Pearl Harbor event and we're at war, unlike December 7, 1941, we, uh, we don't know who the enemy is. So my goal at, at Red Pill was to say it's time to name the enemy. Let's look at this. That's what military, military intelligence is all about. You're supposed to know your own capability, and you're supposed to know the enemy's uh, capability and where they're positioned. And, and the first thing you've got to know is who they are, right? And I, I get it that people have a really hard time believing that a small group of people like I just described can control the whole world. But it's done through uh, three, three techniques. It's hierarchy, it's compartmentalization, and it's an abject control of secrets. And the way they do it is the hierarchy is a few people at the top are read into the program. In fact, the, the whole Illuminati pyramid, that is the symbol of how they do this. That's hierarchy. It's a pyramid. So in, 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 in Illuminati circles, they talk about the Pindar. The Pindar is like one guy at the top. We don't know if it's really one guy, but there's a very small number of people at the top. They know it all. They know whatever it is that we don't know. But then below them, there are these uber elites, probably the rest of the 150, or maybe more, maybe like the Committee of 300 that John Coleman describes. These people are read into the program, but they're not completely knowledgeable like the people at the top. I mean, you know, I've heard some people say, yeah, the person at the top is Satan. Could be. Could be that simple. But or the, or but, the Pope. I mean, he does carry the title of Vicarious yeah, Christi. He's the, Antichrist. That, I mean, that's his title. Or somebody that is Satan's representative, I would say. That's exactly right. It could, whoever we wanted, we don't know. Could be Pepe Orsini. I'm not, you know, I, I, you know, he's the senior member of the Orsini black nobility, which is the most direct lineage back to this group, back to Babylon, essentially, because he's the direct lineage of the Julian Claudian line of emperors, which goes back to the pharaohs. And then we can talk about how that gets to Babylon. So, um, so who knows? But whoever's at the top, the, you know, and there's some rumor that that person is gone whoever it is, and that's why there's kind of in a chaos right now, and we have an opportunity here to take the world back. 
but below them there are the alls is, is is as you go down the pyramid there's decreasing knowledge decreasing money decreasing power and that's how you do it but just like the guys you know enron the corporation that was stealing everybody's pension plans the guy at the bottom of the pyramid had no clue they were working for enron thinking they were good little employees and they had no clue what was going on at the top of the pyramid and that is what happens in a worldwide conspiracy as well you know um the second point is and that's the hierarchy and compartmentalization this so the third point is the secrecy and and these guys make secrecy that is their that is their key tenet of their religion is secrecy and and i think it comes from the fact that unfortunately the other thing you've got to admit here is that these people they're not like us they're psychopaths they worship Moloch and sacrifice children. I'm just going to say it. That is what's going on here. We have ample evidence of this from firsthand accounts, how cannibalism is used to do vetting, for example, for upper level bankers. And, you know, we saw this cannibalistic, crazy stuff in Washington, D.C. during the time of the Clintons and during the time mostly of the Obamas, where you had Marina Abramovich. And she was doing spirit cooking. It was these, you know, who goes to dinner parties? Where you have pseudo cannibalistic dinner parties. Yeah, I mean, right. I, I mean, I don't. I don't think you do. I mean, this is. We should have been asking ourselves. The other picture I showed at, at Red Pill was the picture of uh, uh, Bohemian Grove. You know, Alex Jones, God love him, went in and and filmed Bohemian Grove. Now, what you know, people people just laughed and said, "Oh, that's conspiracy theory." Even though he had pictures and he. Live film, and we have, and we have documents going back to when it was formed in 1905 or whenever it was about that time frame, of of who of, of the whole thing, the, the buying of the land, who went out there. We have pictures of people like Nixon and and Reagan and um, Ford. You know, all the yeah, all the politicians that we know. Basically, if you're anybody in politics or the the industrial elite. You're at Bohemian Grove, or you used to be. They've closed it down now, interestingly. You were at Bohemian Grove every year for a couple of weeks, and at the end of it, you were doing a mock child sacrifice to a big owl god, huge, like we're talking about 50 feet owl god, that is a symbol of Moloch. So what we shouldn't have been asking is, is Alex Jones crazy? What we should have been asking is, why are our people doing this? How yeah. do we end up with there? And similarly, this is this is this I learned from Jonathan Kahn, who's a uh, a rabbi in New York, and he said he was there, and this has been going on. This is how long we've been ignoring this. So that was a long time ago with Alex Jones. After that, in about 1996, I think it was, uh, Rabbi Kahn was there when they unveiled in New York City the Arch of Baal, which is another name for Moloch. They changed names just to keep us, you know, confused. But it's again. Baal, Moloch, it's the god of, of child sacrifice. And in ancient Palmyra, which is where this arch came from, this is a full-size reproduction, what you did was, to, in this day, this is where we get to secrecy, in this day, paganism was open. It was okay to practice paganism. This is 400, 350 AD, I mean, BC, so before Christ. This is, so this is long ago, and, um, and paganism was the dominant religion. And it was okay to sacrifice your child to get worldly delights. That's what this was all about. And so they walked in through the arch, they did their sacrifice, they put their child on this brass heated altar, and then they came out through the, through the arch, and I, which I think is very symbolic. It was one way in, one way out. In other words, you, you, you can't vary. Once you've done this, there's only one way out. And this now arch is sitting in New York City still to this day. The question is, and the, and the historical society that is funding this and is doing this, 
you got to ask yourself, why are they so intent on making a thousand arches like this around the world? I mean, what's so special about this from an archaeologic or uh, art or historical perspective? Nothing. It's symbolic. It's, it's, it's special because this is their religion, and they're staking their claim on this earth of this religion. And, and, and we who are not waking up to this just don't want to believe it. And what happened is um, when Christianity then became more the dominant religion and Islam and other, other monotheistic religions, they, the, when paganism had to go under, underground, okay, um, what it did was it had to keep its children silent. They had, the problem is they figured out that it was a death penalty for, doing, for practicing paganism once it was the, not the dominant religion. So how do you keep your kids quiet? Well, they figured out this is what we now today call MK Ultra, but they called it satanic ritual. I mean, we also call it satanic ritual abuse. They don't use the term Satanism, but it's, it's abusing the kids in such a way it splits their mind into different segments. So they have the mind that is used to approach, to, to deal with the household activities, and then they have the part of the mind that's used to deal with the outside world. And they can be completely independent of each other, just like we know now. And that actually, that, that's what they've been doing for thousands of years. That is the procedure they use to keep their kids quiet until they can, and about age six, after they've been tortured, sexually tortured from the crib. I know this gets a little ugly, but it's, people need to wake up. Uh, and that's what the, how, the sound of freedom really is all about, <laughs> is, what, is what's not just happening to the kids. It's not just about pedophiles. It's about this. And it get in and, 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 and actually, you know, body parts and adrenochrome and lots of things. It's a lot worse than just, just the pedophiles, which well, we thought was pretty bad. Let's just say what it is. They're, they're taking, uh, put a, and see, I think freedom of religion has been taken out of context too. There is no God-given right to worship false gods. There just isn't one. If God gives you the right, he's the one worthy of worship, not the false gods. And I think what you're describing is this is their religion. This is their worldview. And oh, no, it the is way, their religion. Yeah. yeah and no, this it's is, their religion. And, and, and so, but the, the idea of torturing children sexually to keep them quiet is part of that religion. Now, in modern days, what happened is as it came through in, in the 1940s during the war, when Mengele was doing his experiments in, in Auschwitz, I used to think when I was a medical student and on and I learned about Mengele, I thought he must have been the bottom feeder in his medical school class. Who in, you know, in the world would get involved in that stuff? Turns out that isn't true at all. He's the top of the medical school class, just like today. It's not the private doctor out in your community that did this. It's your university doctors. The university at, I think it was the Kaiser Wilhelm uh, something university, they were funding and, and, and aiding him. They were, he was working under their... Uh, auspices, and he was an MD, PhD, meaning he was the top of his medical school class. And what he was doing, among other things, he, there were lots of things he was doing, but one of the things he was doing, he was trying to codify and to scientifically investigate this process that the, that the, that the, uh, the people worshiping Moloch, these old, the old religionists had been using for thousands of years to split the psyche. How did they do it? And he basically made it scientific. That's what, that's what became MK Ultra that came over after the war to America. And that's, that is, again, we, were just, we just weren't paying attention. And, and it's kind of like J. Edgar Hoover said, the individual is handicapped by coming face-to-face -face with a conspiracy so monstrous he cannot believe it exists. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you had the t chance to meet Dr. Alan Keyes. Oh, uh, I know. I don't, Dr. Alan. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, he sat and we were having lunch, and he was telling us, yeah, they brought him out to Bohemian Grove 
And he suspected they were trying to get him into it. And he wanted nothing to do with it. I think he gave a speech there and then he left. He said, I, I wanted nothing to do with what I was seeing out there. So good for him. You were mentioning the yeah, Nazis. Uh, one of our contributors, uh, Suzanne Hamner, she she was called. She called me up today. She said, I just got all this thing and I'm I'm drawing these. She said, have you ever heard of Kurt Blum? B-L-O-M-E. Yeah, I have. And I'm now I'm blanking on his he, relationship to this. Yeah, he was a Nazi scientist. Um, and he was, uh, I was trying to think of who he was under. And then there was another guy by the name of Klaus Schilling. She wanted me to ask you if you know those guys, because what she's seeing is she's almost seeing a replication in what the WDWEF with Harari, uh, being sort of the Joseph Goebbels, if you will, he's the propagandist there going. And, uh, and then several other people she was naming as coming down the line since these many of these people were brought over under Operation Paperclip into America. And so you had all this occultic stuff going on in Nazi Germany as well. And, yeah. and that tied in with what they were calling science and everything as well. So some of these people, it seems like they've almost had offspring that are just carrying on what, they're, what they were doing you know, back in the 40s. Well, that's right. And that's the other thing that you come to the conclusion. Those 150 men who were the, uh, the people that were identified by uh, Gladfelters owning the world, they didn't get there because they were the top dogs in their business school class. They got there because they're all related. And I think we are seeing, in fact, there's some belief that Mengele's son is actually uh, John Podesta. I, I think I had that wrong at the meeting, but it's, it's John Podesta. His grandson is John Podesta. I mean, you look at them, they, they do look pretty similar. Um, and, you know, th- look at, I mean, look at what we've already seen. Justin Castro, you know, Justin Trudeau Castro. I mean, he's clearly not his father's son. He's Castro's son. And they're actually even admitting that Zelensky is a relationship to Soros. If you age progress Zelensky. I've seen that, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and you, and you age progress Soros, it's the same person. It's like they're clones, which that also could be. Who knows? But the, but they're, the point is, oh, my favorite is William Jefferson Clinton. Now his father, he wasn't, his father was not a Clinton. He was his, his father's name. The, the stepfather was Clinton. Who was his real father that never seems to come out. But you look at a picture of him. He grew up in Arkansas in this little town. He, uh, his, his, at the time, the governor of Arkansas was Winifred Rockefeller. Uh, and so there's, you know, uh, which Rockefeller is it that was uh, his brother? I'm, I'm blanking on it. But, David? Um, but yeah, it was, I think it was David Rockefeller. Yeah. So David Rockefeller, if you put a picture of David Rockefeller um, right next to, or no, Nelson. If it's the other one, the other brother, Nelson Rockefeller. If you put a picture of Nelson Rockefeller next to William Jefferson Clinton, they look identical. I mean, just age, you know, they're a little bit different, but they're, they got the same eyes. They got the same. It's hard not to say that they're related. And the point being is that what's the chance that a young kid from what Hope, Arkansas, or wherever he was from, just happens to get the perfect photo op with President John F. Kennedy? In other words, what they do, what it appears to me that they do, and I, I think other people think this too, is that they, the rock, the, the, the bloodline. So we're dealing with a bloodline. And, and I will tell you that the, the first thing to understand about this bloodline is it goes down primarily through the winner, women's genes, okay? So there's, a, there's an excellent chromosome that they really want in this bloodline. So the people, the top dogs, they make sure they always marry women and they keep this bloodline very tight, that they marry women that are in the bloodline. 
Um, and uh, that's why Princess Diana, before she was the princess, when she was Diana Spencer, she had to have all this medical testing to, to before she got married. And I always, we just thought, how silly is that? What are, the royals are kind of this kind of weird, quaint. And, but it was about this: all the the royal families, they all marry the banking houses, the royal houses. You know, certain groups of people always marry very tight to keep this. They're keeping this this aut- autocratic. These are the autocrats, the aristocrats. They keep this bloodline very tight using things that we don't know, looking for things in the bloodline that we don't know. But what they do below that is the, the men of this pyramid, they can breed with other people. And they also maybe breed with maybe the people they're breeding with are not just random people. Maybe they're also part of this bloodline, but not maybe as high up. And they produce these lesser lights, which are not the top dogs because they're not a pure bloodline, but they are now they watch them and they let them get a different last name. Another one is Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler was born to Louis Rothschild. He was, he was made, he had a maid in, in Vienna and that maid got pregnant in the house of Louis Rothschild. She went off, she married Alois Hitler and that ergo became uh, uh, Hitler. So what they do is they get, they get, it's a breeding program is what I'm telling you. They get, they get somebody pregnant and then they make sure that they're taken care of. They never have money worries. They, they watch them. If they start showing promise some way, then they decide where they go. Oh, that kid's really good with science. Let's make him into a, uh, an NIH advisor, for example. Let's make him into something else. And then they become uh, these, these guys in the, in the scientific line. But then some people are just talented and could be good politicians, and they think this is guy. And that was Jefferson, William Jefferson Clinton. So they, then they start putting opportunities in front of him, handshaking with JFK. He gets a Rhodes Scholarship. Now, I learned this from Matt Bracken, who uh, you know, used to host the fourth hour of, of Alex Jones every once in a while. But he's a, he's a former Navy SEAL officer. There aren't that many officers you know, in the SEAL teams. So, and he studied Russian like I did in college. And he, he had a lot of history that I had missed. But anyway, here's, here's the story that he told me. He said that, that now they use the WEF as their vetting program okay, for to see who gets to get pushed on the higher level jobs. But in those days, they used the Rhodes Scholarship, and they would bring they would bring people like Bill Clinton over to England, to Oxford, and they would they would participate in their educational things. But in if they then they were vetted by these, they'd probably go to the fancy dinners and they get to meet people. And then if they think that they're a hot runner that they want to keep going, then they they would send them. And this is the age of the Soviet Union. They would send them to uh, the Hotel Rossi in Moscow. And then they would compromise them somehow. And, you know, it's, it's easy. You drug somebody up. You know, these are young, impressionable, naive people. You drug them up. You get them in a room with somebody, you know, they shouldn't be with. You take photographs. It doesn't take much. And then suddenly they're shocked into the awareness that they've been captured. And they say, no problem, comrade. We're not using it now. Later, we think we might contact right. you for free. Right. You know, that's what they do. In fact, there's one guy. The one guy that's double boarded here, he's both a W, he's both a Weffer and a and a, and a Rhodes Scholar, and that's Buttigieg, which is kind of interesting. Wow, I don't know, but so that's but what's he going had, on. but he unlike some of the other people that you've mentioned, he really has no talent. He can't talk, he can't work, he can't do. I mean, he thinks he's a woman. Um, I, I, I the whole thing. But you know what? What I find interesting in all of this is it reminds me when you're talking about how they pull them in. It reminds me of what Jesus went through when he went into the wilderness for his temptation. And one of the last things he said, or one of the last things the devil tempted him with, look at all the kingdoms of the world. I'll give you all these if you'll just bow down before me. And I think that's what they play on. They play off a man's lust 
Uh, James tells us that we're drawn away by our lust and then we sin. And when sin is fully conceived, it brings forth death. And that's what it's going to bring to them. They don't have, they're not catching that. They're going to answer for what they're doing. Right. And, but I think that's how they capture them is they capture them through their own lust. They're being pulled into these things. Uh, just like what uh, Dr. Keyes was talking about. He was able to reject that and say, no, I want no part of this stuff. But these guys go right along with it. Well, and, 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 and one thing to say about that is he was older. Okay. Um, and he had more, more life experience maybe when this happened to him. One of the problems is they're, they, they capture these people when they're very young. And quite frankly, how many stupid things did we do when we were young? I can't say I, I, I was stupid bunch. free. Yeah, I can't say I was stupid free. I did some things. But fortunately, I was never a t I was never in their sights, okay, that I know of. And because I come from Nowhereville and, you know, blah, 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 and it doesn't matter your educational level, you know, I was surrounded by people that could have been captured by these people, and I think some were. But, but um, you see that happening, and I think... I think what happens is they do it when they're young and they're impressionable and they get more people that way. And once you get in, you don't get out. This is a, this is just like the, 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 it's just like, uh, the, the, that may be the symbolism of the, of the arch of Baha'u'llah one way in one way out. And in this case, the way out is death or death to your family or death, or, you know, you're either extortion, you're extorted, you're bribed, or ultimately if we can't control you, you or your family members are going to get murdered. That's how they keep people in line. So, and, and it's also, there's a certain amount of mind control that goes on, I'm sure, also. But that's, that's the basic principle. Now, the question is, are these, here's the, here's the problem. Here's what I started looking at, okay? In 1954, when, when uh, they had one of their first meetings of the Uber elites, and we don't know for sure if this was the Bilderbergs, but a, a set of notes came out accidentally that were found later by a friend of G. Edward Griffin who found them in a Xerox machine in a uh, recycle bin in the federal government recycle bin. So anyway, we don't know for sure where these came from, but it was 1954, which is also the, the first year of the Bilderberg meeting and which is the Uber elites getting together to plot the overthrow of the world. And, and he made it into a book called silent weapons for quiet wars. And what it is, it, you, what you learn from this book is that, and these notes were never supposed to come out. And they say in the notes it, that these are notes never supposed to come out because then the, people would realize we're declaring war against them, against of humanity, in other words. But here's, here's what they say in the book, and I'll just read you this because this is a direct quote. It says, and they're talking about the fact that there are too many of humans and we're too greedy, okay? So it was agreed that a nation or world of people who will not use their intelligence are no better than animals who do not have intelligence. Such a people are beasts of burden and stakes on the table by choice and consent. In other words, we're not guilty if we if we kill these people or eat them because they're nothing but animals. Wow. These are this is animals. And 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 quite frankly, uh they have words for these that we didn't understand all this time. But they they said there are two ways we can deal with this, and they came up with two ways benevolent slavery, thinks our think our tax code, and genocide. And I think what we're seeing today is they're they're at the stage of their plan where they're, 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 they've been plotting mass murder for a very long time, and they've been doing it other ways. But, you know, they, you know like wars are kind of messy. They, they lose infrastructure. They cost them a lot of money. These guys don't want to spend the money. So we'll do it a different way this time. But what do you call people? See, here's the real issue about who and what we're dealing with. And, and, and I'm not – it depends, it depends on your, your position if these are – uh, if aliens are demons or if they're synonymous, but I'm not going to get into that argument. I'm just going to say, are they, are we dealing with people that are like us? Are humans naturally unable to get along? Do we always fight wars? 
are, are we always murderous and, and horrible to each other, or is there something else going on here? Well, that's been the question I've, I've asked in the nature of evil. And yeah. I just, think, you know, but I think there's, I, yeah, let me interject that just a little bit because I think the Bible does speak to that, that we're, that we're, we're all totally depraved. In other words, sin has affected us at our core emotions, will, all this stuff, or else we wouldn't do anything wrong. I mean, so it's, it's obviously affected us. But for some people, they have so crossed the line. The Bible talks about them searing their conscience. And they, you were talking, I think, in your, in your talk. By the way, I have the screen share on if you want to share any of your, your PowerPoint. But you were talking about how they don't have, they can't, they don't have a sense of humor. They, they don't, they, they don't is, act like anybody else. Well, this is my point, is that, you know, I'm not saying we don't sin. I'm not saying that we aren't. We're in sure, but we beginning. get along with each other most of the time. But we are able to, number one, we recognize each other and we have empathy for each other. The number one, these are what we call people that are, would set up mass murder are psychopaths. And the, and the primary diagnostic criteria for a psychopath is someone that has no personal empathy. In other words, they don't, in fact, to the point that these children, we, and we've had this debate in medicine forever in psychiatry, are, are psychopaths created or are they born? And I think it's both, okay? I would argue that at the top of this pyramid, the people we're talking about, these 300 or maybe there's more, that they are actually, uh, they're not created. They're born because they're not exactly us. Now, below them, they can get other people involved through torture and they create psychopaths. But psychopaths have no human empathy. In fact, the children will have to learn to imitate human emotions because they'll, they'll and my, my example is, you, you know, your, your aunt dies and you, you're supposed to go to the funeral and everybody else is tearful and they're, they're, they're sad. And you're sitting there kind of happy and thinking about going outside and playing. And you realize that's in, that they're looking at you like you're not a very nice person. So now you just make up. You, you learn very early. These children learn very early to imitate human behavior. Okay. What are we saying when we say people learn to imitate human behavior because they're not exactly human? They're not exactly us. They can recognize each other. They can cooperate with each other for their own for their group benefit, and that's how we get Congress, quite frankly. But they don't. They the, we can't always recognize them. And I will tell you a story about a friend of mine. This is a direct story. Um, she told me that, and she's of the bloodline. Okay, now she's not a psychopath. She's she's not she's not high enough on the bloodline to be psychopathic, apparently. But she's of the female bloodline. Okay, she's and so that the, the female bloodline gives you one thing, and who knows, maybe the evil psychopathology comes to the, the Y chromosome. I don't know, but in any case, she's high enough that when she goes places, people people come out of the woodwork and they ask her what her lineage is and where she's from, and wouldn't and they'd like to keep in touch with her girls. And it's, she said to me, she said, "I was on the plane and this just happened to me. It's almost like they can smell us." That's what's happening. Okay, now now. The other thing is they avoid another story. Cliff High told me this story. He said he was on a plane one time and the stewardess, the, the, the flight attendant came up and said, you can see how old I am when I call it a stewardess. They came up to him and said, I'm sorry, Mr. High, but we have to ask you to get off the plane. And he was kind of upset about this. He said, but don't worry, we're going to take really good care of you. But uh, we have a request from another passenger and we just can't have you on this plane. So this guy, so if, you, if you're one of these people that are also possibly and again there's a sense this is like this is like 
your dog or your cat, remember how they, they can look outside a window and they see they just go on alert like they see something, but you can look all day long, don't see anything. Or like they they're smell see, pheromones or something like that. Right. They're seeing or smell they're seeing something. They it's like they can see a wider wavelength that we can. They're seeing something we can't. It's not all made up. And so here's a here are people that have some kind of sense. And again, I have a little of this because I can recognize, I know that there are people that avoid me and I avoid them. And, and it's in, in this whole thing because I run across them. And since I've been involved in this whole war event here we're, we're in, I run across people that I know are, are pretending to be one thing. But when you get around them, they avoid me. They avoid Carrie It's Monday, called discern, they avoid discernment. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's like we have a sense of each other. Okay. Now, I happen to be of a lineage that is the female bloodline from the Prussian royals. Direct lineage. No males got involved there. So it was all female, you know, I'm the daughter of the daughter of the daughter of the of two dukes, the duke and Dutch, duke, duke and duchess the, the, uh, of, of Prussia, this one area of Prussia. Their children married each other, but because they were lesser children, they immigrated to America and became green grocers. Okay, that was my lineage. But I came through that female bloodline. So apparently I have some of this too. And, and that's the point we're dealing with. I mean, if you looked at that objectively, you would say, do we have another race of beings that look like us? Like they say in Hollywood and all these movies, we have people that look like us, talk like us and walk like us, but they're not exactly us. And then, and, and here's the next point to be made about that. These are the people and, and the Rothschilds are a good name to everybody brings up on their lips, but it's not just them. In fact, they're kind of third tier in this whole thing. The, the people that you never hear of are the people that are really running the show. And then, but, but it was Lord Rothschild that, that, that signed the club of Rome back in the sixties. And in 1972, they came out with a, a book called mankind at the turning point. And their express purpose was to decrease was, was to the, the whole climate change thing is, is to recognize that the, and this is a quote from the book, the real em, the real enemy then is humanity itself. That's their point. And that's and their their objective of the Club of Rome is to decrease um the uh is to actually decrease um CO2. Now here's where I would like to show a picture. Let me see if I can let me see if I can figure sure. out I can do it on my end, I think pretty easy. Okay. Um, but I gotta do OBA. But but I'll just say the point I'm making is and what I'm about to show you came from Willie Soon. He is a um a friend of mine who is an astrophysicist at Harvard. I mean, he's an independent, he's an independent uh, guy. I think I've got it on my thing already. While, while you're looking at that, let me, let yeah. me bring in something because I, when, when I was listening to your talk, this is what I thought about Deuteronomy chapter 25. Uh, this is dealing with the Amalekites in Israel. Yeah. And, and God says, <laughs> remember what Amalek did unto thee, by the way. And I want you to pay attention to the words, guys. When ye were come forth out of Egypt, how he met thee by the way and smote the hindmost of thee. In other words, they came up from the back. They ambushed them. Even all that were feeble behind thee. There was no empathy for the, for the people of God coming out of Egypt. When thou wast faint and weary and he feared not God. So Amalek, the people of Amalek didn't fear God. They didn't have empathy for the people of Israel. They attacked them from behind. They were cowards. And then verse 19, listen to what he says. He doesn't say, I'm going to do Listen to what he says. Therefore, it shall be when the Lord thy God hath given thee rest, that's for Israel, from all thine enemies round about in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it, that thou, not I'm going to do it, 
you're supposed to do it, shall blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven, and thou shalt not forget it. And then, you know, what we see later on in First Samuel is, is that God gives the command. All right, Saul, you're the king. I want everything gone. I don't want their cattle here. I don't want their kids. I don't, I mean, that's pretty harsh. They're, they right. must have done something really bad here and been a, a bad bunch of people for him to say, you wipe out even the kids and the cattle and everything. And then Saul doesn't do it. He spares the king. And I find it interesting that the king, you know, when you see that whole thing where Samuel hacks him into pieces, you never, you never read where the king pleads for his life. There's, there's no, you know, humanity that seems to be about the king either. He goes to his death sort of, I guess, thinking he's, he's, got, he's got a way out or something because, well, Saul didn't kill me. Samuel's not going to do it either. And then Samuel turns around the prophet of the Lord and hacks him in pieces. And so I, I wonder because later on you see Haman, who is in that bloodline, if you will. He's in that line of people there. What does he do? He goes after the people of God too, and he ends up being hanged to him and his family on, on the gallows he built to destroy the people of God. So I, I think this has happened all throughout history where we're seeing these same kinds of people, they hold the same kinds of beliefs, and they just, like what you said, they have no empathy for people, they're all about themselves. And while we know people who might all be all about themselves, you can at least tell they have some empathy for other people and, and things of that nature. Well, and that's right. So that's actually where I went with this. There's, there's several pieces. If I had to pick out where the enemy, you know, and whether and I think it probably goes back to the Garden of Eden, uh, but the, but it goes back to Babylon. But it's the amount the Malik, which you talked about is the Amalekites. Now here's let me just show you this picture um, of the uh, of the CO two of the CO two issue because this is really interesting. Now can you can you see that the, the yeah we can see it okay okay so here's the point the point is you've got a group of people that don't act like us that that are psychopaths that don't have any human empathy that have to learn to imitate humans. And they want to reduce the CO2 in the world. Now, here is uh, a plant. Here are plants based on CO2 level. So 1,218 parts per million. If anybody out there grows uh, marijuana or vegetables in a tent, uh, you know that that's what they do. They pump in between 1,200 and 1,700 parts per million of CO2 to get a better crop. These high value crops, that's what they do. So there's 1,218 parts per million, but look at 461. The plant's almost dead. Now we are sitting, and we were sitting about this in sixties at four hundred and nineteen parts per million. What? We're yes, we are below the four hundred sixty-one. So what? What I'm just asking is now Bill Gates can run away from war. Can he run away from this? If they reduce the CO two to kill plants, can he survive? Absolutely not. So we are geoengineering the world for something that is not completely human. That's my point there. Now there we get to the Amalek. So. So there, there's, I didn't know, you know, you came at it from the Bible standpoint. Now I, I'm, I'm admitting I'm not a Bible scholar, so I didn't, I didn't, uh, I'll just transition myself back. So I didn't pick up on that whole thing. But what happened to me was, and this is one of those things, God puts funny little stepping stones in front of you when at a time you have no clue what it's ever going to mean. But years ago, I just happened to run across a, a video and it was one of these things, you know, listening to things while you drive along and what, what the heck. And it just looked interesting, and I thought, here's something I don't know anything about. And I just started, because people at this point, they were talking about Kathy O'Brien and all these uh, tortured children and the MK Ultra and this, this ritual abuse, this satanic ritual abuse that goes down in families. So 
what I started looking at is, is, and so I just saw this video, and it was Jay Parker, who was a satanic ritual abuse advisor, a, a, a survivor, and he was being interviewed by uh, a guy named Mark Passio, who was at one time a priest in the High Church of Satan by Anton LaVey, who got out of it and said, you know, he was in a dark place, and now his, his life goal is to demystify the occult, to wake up people to what's going on, right? So Jay Parker talks about his experience growing up in Arden, Delaware, and this is still on the internet, and I advise people to watch this. It may seem hard to watch, but it actually, it, 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 it makes, I mean, from, from the biblical perspective, when you hear him talk, you're going to find out he knows things from the other side that fit into all this. And uh, the reason that he's alive to tell this is that the way this works is they have these families, and this is a town in Delaware where they say 90% of the families are, in, are practicing the old religion. They don't call it Satanism, that's what we call it, but they practice the old religion. And they worship Moloch and sacrifice children, and they do all these things. And they, tor they, they practice this where they torture the children from crib to age six. And then at age six, they figure they can keep secrets. So they either are allowed to live and become part of the religion, or they murder them, they get rid of them, or they... Uh, they just let them forget. Some people, they just let them forget. Well, he tells one story that he tells is that he was one of the kids. He was, he was rebelling. He, one of his little friends died in this whole thing. And this is a town, by the way, where 80% or 90%, he said, of the people were of this religion. 10% were real Christians and they had Christian churches all over town and all of the Satanists went to the Christian churches for, you know, it's, it's plausible deniability. It's cover, right? But his little friend died because he was tortured, and he went to cry. Jay tried to, to, to tell the police about this, and the police just said, we've tried before. We can't get into this. They murder everybody. So this is going on behind the scenes in America today, I'm sure, and we're not paying attention. But here's what he said that was so interesting. He said two things. One, that they tried, they were going to, his father was a big poopaw he didn't know about until then, that, that, that had high-level friends in this national religion. And one of them came over to try and figure out what to do with Jake when all this went down, and they were going to kill him. But they looked back and and behind, and they said, and one guy says, "We can't kill him." And they look, they both looked over, and apparently he had uh, these big angels behind him, and so they had to just let him forget. So, but he didn't completely forget. When he got older, he recognized what was going on, and he started speaking. And here's a throwaway line that he may not have known what the meaning was, but I kind of sorted it out, I think, a little bit. And he said that his mother claimed, she would tell him family history, and his mother would claim that she came from a long line of powerful witches, and they were called the Amalekites. And she said that there were several families that King, that King Saul was supposed to kill everybody, but they, were, they, get, they escaped along with several families and wagons, and they got out, and they went to a place called Phrygia. Now, I didn't remember the, the Amalekite story. I didn't remember. This is from 10 years ago. I couldn't, I knew it was some tribe or something. I couldn't remember that, but I remembered Phrygia, and I started looking that up. Phrygia shows up every time there's something bad going on, because these people went to Phrygia, and from there you got the Phrygian hat. The Phrygian hat was the symbol of the French Revolution, which was a murderous, uh, yes. terrible event. That's also the same hat used at that that women's uh, march on Washington with the pink hats. That's, that's the Phrygian cap. Okay? Oh, it's a soft cap with the top flipped over. So anyway, I remembered that. But, but because of all this stuff was coming out now and I was trying to figure out what was going on and the bloodlines, I decided I went back and I went through this two-hour video till we got to that one line and it was the Amalekites. Now, as you pointed out, the Amalekites, 
Robert Kennedy got some of this right about the genetic thing that's going on, but he kind of missed, it's wrong to label it as the Jews, because obviously the Hebrews were the real Jews here. I mean, they didn't use sure. that term Jew. They were Hebrews. They're and they Hebrews, escaped yep. from, yeah, they escaped from the Pharaoh. They got out of the Pharaoh only to be attacked in the rear by these Amalekites. Okay. So that is what happened. And the, these guys were evil to the point that Saul commanded them to be killed. But these, the, no, these got away. And where did they go? This is where his mother's point comes in. They went to Phrygia. And from there, they, um, they, they, and Phrygia, by the way, is a stone's throw from Babylon, essentially. So it's in Turkey and Anatolia, which becomes important. So, but they also migrated at some point. They took the names of their towns and they married them together and they migrated into the area of the, what is now Ukraine, but they took over the royal house of Khazaria. They infiltrate and they, they, they became the royal house of Khazaria, this empire that was at that time in the 800s or 500s in Ukraine. But they were such a pain to their neighbors that at some point they got driven out of there. This is about 1150. They were, they were given an opportunity first in about the 800, 850, 900 timeframe to not practice their old religion, to, to, re, to, to change their ways. That was King Bulan. They gave him a choice. They said, we're not going to murder you all. But listen, this is the Russians, the Bulgarians, and the Persians got together. And um, they said, we're, we're, gonna, we're not going to murder everybody, but here's what you've got to do. You can't keep practicing that old religion. We don't want you on the borders like that. So you can, be a, you can be a Christian, you can be a Muslim, you can be a Judaic, but you can't keep worshiping Moloch. And by the way, we also don't like the fact that you're stealing everything. The people, this is the Silk Road for trade. You're ruining that because they would murder the people and then they would take their, they were going to call the name assumers. They would take their identities and then move on. I'm, now this is more than what I said at Red Pill. I'm just giving you the, 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 the full version here. So anyway, what happened was they agreed to this. King Bulan agreed to this. And they said, okay, we'll become Judaics. Again, the term Jew was not a term back then. And they adopted the name Ashkenazi because that was the towns in the area of Anatolia where they were from. They were the, the Ashken and the Kanats and the Nazi. There were little towns named that. And they all put them together and they became the Ashkenazi. Now, don't take this, 99% of all religions, all nationalities, all people of any color and race in this are victims, not, not perpetrators. So you cannot take this and say, oh, I knew it was the Ashkenazi Jews. No, it right. is not the Ashkenazi right. Jews. Okay, it is a group of, of people, and I use that term somewhat loosely based on what, what God has commanded about all this, who are not us. And here's, what, there's, here's the point. This is what I learned from, from looking further, and this is what the Torah and the Old Testament says, that God shall be at war with Amalek for all generations. Yes. That, and, and according to the, uh, um, the what's it called, Chabad.org, it's the Hasidic philosophy, they say that the Amalek were the most evil, you know, that most evil can be combated by arguments of reason, but not so the Amalek, that they cynically, this is their quote, he cynically scoffs at every reason to do good, sowing doubt and confusion, which sounds a lot like what we're dealing with. And then they say yes. that, that the problem was that God shall be at war with all generations. In other words, it wasn't just King Saul one time that gave them the thing. They were, they were supposed to continue this war against them and not let them propagate on earth. But they got away. And here was the problem. This is what they say in the, in the philosophy. They say the Amalekite nation assimilated into the people around them so that their national identity dissolved, their identity dissolved, and their command to kill them became impossible to fulfill. Now, so here's, in summary, what we have is we have people 
we have all this, we have all sorts of facts from all sorts of walks of life, including Hollywood. Hollywood keeps telling us there are people that look like us, talk like us, walk like us that are not us. We have a Babylonian legal system. That is what we call legalese. And uh, my friend Jason Ian, who was trained as an Orthodox rabbi, he says the language is their spell casting. This is what they do. They use this to make a legal system that's a, a fictional construct. They, this is how you create reality. But it's only reality when people believe it, you know. So they have a legal system that is what we call um, uh, admiralty law, essentially, that's outside of God's law. God's law is common law, where it's, it's right. the things we think that the basis of the Constitution sure. is. Right. Now, you know, so we have a legal system. We have the Babylonian money system that you mentioned. We have this pagan religion that comes from Babylon. And then my favorite argument about this is the Babylonian symbolism. And here I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can... I can copy okay, can, can you can you hold that one because we got about yeah. two minutes and what I want to do oh. while we're still on here on the air with the radio is there's got to be a solution it's not enough to just know right. this this stuff the Bible tells right. us that we're to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the walls of the devil he lays all those those things out we're not ignorant of his schemes and his devices of what he uses against us so we learn this what are the What's practical this? implications? Because we got like a minute and a half before okay. that, but if we I'll can start you, it, we'll carry we it and let, you, and let you carry on after, but about a minute and a half, go for it. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, the point is that the first thing you do is, again, 150, 300 people, they can't rule the world. Don't participate in evil. Tune Cide Malice. Do not participate in evil. Do not let them use your hands. And, and that's even the, the, and the, the Hasidic philosophy said, the way to, you can't, you can't out-talk these people. They'll work, hook your words around you. What you have to do is just be ultimately good. You have to be, you have to be, be God's children, really. You can't, you can't participate in this. Be lawful, not legal. You adopt common law. Do not go along with this legal system that, that, that never dispenses justice to people, or rarely. Don't be captured by office, by office. The reason to know about this is not to be inadvertently captured. Unfortunately, I'm seeing some of my medical colleagues getting captured. They get into financial trouble and they get, un, they get, suddenly they get big money from places that they think how generous of them, but they're not being generous. They're going to capture you. Our entire Congress is captured. That's the problem. And so you have to seek the true creator. And uh, the other thing that I just say is, um, and, 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 and if you're in, God will provide, if you, it, 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 it's never easy to lose your job. But you got a choice here. You're going to lose your job or you're going to lose your soul and your children because that's, that's right. what they're coming after. So yeah, I would say that ultimately these people have no sense of humor. That's one of the problems of not being really human. So we can just meme them to death. Yeah. I agree. You know, keep your, keep your energy and your happiness up. Radiate love. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't get into fear. They love fear. Okay. Don't get into fear. Hang There's on. We're going to hold Dr. Lee over so she can show, show a couple of things. We're going to finish up. Bradley be with you at 3. And Lord willing, we'll see you back here in the morning, 6 a.m. Dr. Brian Artis will be with us. See you then. All right. I want to welcome everybody coming over from the radio. And I just wanted to get that in because I don't want people to, to, to come away right. just, you know, like Kate says, you know, go find your closet and hang yourself because you're not that the, you should do that either. That's self-murder. But the, but the point is, I don't want people just to have knowledge and not do something with it. So, you know, I think there's a, there's a reason for this. When Bradley talks about the Nazis and he begins to show what, what went on, he's saying they're doing the same thing here. And people are just blind because they don't, they, they're not doing this uh, necessarily. 
but but they're doing the same thing. It's the same people. It's the same descendants of those people who've been put in in positions of power. And the people are going to have to bring them to justice. I'm not talking for people to go out and murder people. I'm talking about for they have got to be brought to justice. And it may, you know, they may push us to a place, uh, Doctor Lee. We have to defend ourselves, and in defending ourselves, we we end up bringing justice on them in some way, much like our forefathers did. Well, yeah, and you know, nobody ever wants to get into a kinetic war. Nobody ever wants to actually have to fight somebody physically. That's right. We want to be able to, but you're, but but again, what I just said on the last segment, we we're dealing with people that don't really respond well to our words. Okay, they see us as cattle. Now, I'm hoping, and I'm going to tell you, this kinetic war in Maui, that is a directed energy weapon. These are these are these are enemies of humanity that are doing this. We've got to do something now. The, the issue really is there's a problem when they're hiding. It's just the same problem that the Hebrews faced years ago, that they couldn't identify them. Well, we have to start. That's why, that's why I gave this lecture. It's time to start identifying the enemy and figuring out how we can take these out. Now, part of it is that, again, they only can make these systems work because they use our hands. So stop, stop being part of that system. You know, stop, stop participating in this. And, and, and very importantly, coming up, do not get involved in anything that seems like it's very convenient, like QRS codes, the CBD currency, carrying instead of having a, having a credit card, having something tattooed on your skin or whatever. Don't do that because what they're doing is they're entrapping us into our pens, our 15-minute our cities that are going to be our, our, uh, you know, our prisons. That's what they're going to do to us because they want us for other things. They want us for our, our flesh, our blood, our spirit. They're, they're going to milk us like cows. That is what this is about. I can't be too gross about that. I mean, I can't be too serious uh, about that. It's, it's really bad. So um, now's the time. We have to stand up. And, yeah. Um, but you asked me a question. I, I got sidetracked there. Oh, so, so here's, here's one of the things I just wanted to finish just showing you this, because if people don't believe what I'm saying based on the genetics, and I can tell you, we followed the genetics of pharaohs, now we've 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 found you know both both all of our presidents there were 40, 42 presidents through George Bush Jr. They're all Merovingians, which means they all descend from Charlemagne, and Charlemagne can be traced to Ramses or one of the big pharaohs in Egypt. So they can trace from the European side that way to to the pharaohs. They can also trace through the Roman Empire from the nobility, the black nobility of Italy, the the the, the real big houses. They go back, they're the, the, the descendants of the Caesars, and they also trace from the pharaohs. And then, where do the pharaohs come from? Well, it turns out when you do genetic testing on these mummies, they don't have anything to do with modern Egyptians. They trace to Anatolia, Phrygia. Again, the area we've just been talking Interesting. about. Interesting. Yeah, so everything seems to come to this area. Now, again, here's another bit of proof that that's who we're fighting. But so, hang on, hang on. I, it, something just hit me. That that should well, that shouldn't surprise us, because where did Noah land? In Turkey, right in Ararat, and yeah. Phrygia is the stone's throw away from there. I mean, you know the what do they call that? The crescent fertile yeah, sun, the fertile forward. crescent. Thank yeah, you. That's where, Thank you. Yeah. So it, it makes sense had, that the people would come from that area anyway. Yes. Yeah. And that's where, and that's where I, you know, Baghdad. There's a lot of stories. I mean, there's so many stories in this windy city. You can, you can go back. You know, remember Victor Bout? 
did you you know the story of Victor Bout recently? Okay, he was the guy that they traded for that that the basketball pseudo, pseudo guy female basketball pretending player. like he's a woman. Yeah. yeah, right, right, right. So, so, and they told you all oh, that Victor Bout. He's just an evil Russian arms dealer, but that's not really who he is. Okay, Victor Bout is a transporter. He is an uber uber transporter. So, if you need something moved from point A to point B that's unusual and hard to move, he's the guy. Now, interestingly, we had hired Victor Bout during the uh, original, during the Iraq war. No surprise there. Yeah. And what would we hire him for? What did we do when we went into a Baghdad that first time? Oh, we took over the Art Antiquities Museum and we went to Ur. So I think we went to Ur at the same time. But in any case, I know we went in the antiquity, and we claimed that it was because the Antiquities Museum was being looted. When when do you worry about in the middle of a war that they, that they might be yeah. damaging the museum? Okay, no, there was something, and we hired Victor Bout to get something out of there. What do you think? So the talk is it's the tomb of Nimrod, or it's something something to do with Nimrod. Now Nimrod was the demigod, and if you think Nef Nephilim technology, that's what I'm thinking we're talking about here. So the Nephilim are still with us somehow. <laughs> and uh, the, the, um, this is the picture I was going to try and show, but maybe it's not probably worthwhile doing. I don't know. It's the picture of, we think of the Statue of Liberty being just the, uh, you know, this, this, this great statue sent by a French artist because he loved liberty and it's got the torch of liberty and they give a great story about this. But she was really a prostitute. Well, yeah, she was really Ishtar. And Ishtar was a god of the a goddess of the ancient Babylonians, okay, and, and Sumerians under different names, Inanna or Ishtar, and they and and this god is portrayed on 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 three dimensional stone carving. So we don't. This isn't just something made up recently. She's got an eight pointed star, and she holds up this whole thing that looks just exactly like what the Statue of Liberty holds. You know, if you if you look from the underneath, the Statue of Liberty, she's holding Ishtar holds a flat disc with a ball on the top. But if when you look at the Statue of Liberty from underneath, it's exactly the same. It looks the same. Now, her son, Nimrod, the story goes that Nimrod was, was chopped up. In, I can't remember who did it. Who does? There's so many gods, so many stories. But Nimrod apparently was chopped up, and uh, including his private member, was cut off. And he miraculously was able to be reassembled and even could have children after that. So think of, uh, you know, the Bobbitt story. So he got re-put back together. And in honor of that, they created these obelisks. So the big, the, the big phallic structures that we have in front of the Vatican, in front of in, in the city of London and in, in George Washington Monument, that is a symbol representing Ishtar or, or Nimrod, the phallus of Nimrod. That's his private member. That's what yeah, that's and I about. understand the pool there that's in front of the Washington Monu Monument represents the female organ as well. In front of the Washington Monument, I'll have to look at that one. Now that I that I leads up I, to the the Lincoln Memorial. I'm pretty sure yeah, that that I have to look at that. that I haven't has, looked at that one. In fact, but, but I, exactly this may right. this may be something too. You mentioned the Vatican. Somebody made it in the chat. I don't know a year or two ago, and they said go and look at when they do the Virgin Mary. And if you do a comparison of Virgin Mary and women's privates, you will never look at the Virgin Mary again like that because it's not the Virgin Mary. It, right. Mary ceased to be a virgin after Jesus was born. The Bible tells us that Joseph didn't know her until after Jesus was born. And there were there were sons and daughters born to them as well. So th this, the whole thing is tied right back that this religion that's going on 
right. may it may flaunt itself with different names, but it's really the same thing. It's it's still a, a mystery Babylon, if you will, if we take the words of, of, of Revelation. And by the way, I want to throw this at you too. I and I use this in the Maui fires because ever since I've been seeing this with the directed energy weapons. And people know kind of where I think eschatologically, but, you know, I'm open to see, am I wrong here? Because I've been reading some stuff. I think I told you I was reading Rulers of Evil, which I suggested that you read as well. I think you'll find it interesting. But this comes from Revelation chapter 13, and this is the second beast that comes out. You know, the one that's going to give them, he gives the mark and all this stuff. Listen to what it says. And he, verse 12, and he exercised all the power of the first beast before him and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed, and he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Now, I'm going to tell you, that was one of the first things I thought about when I saw the the fires in Paradise, California. That's what I thought about with Maui. And there's probably a ton of other places where, where this stuff is going on, too. Well, Canada. Yeah, yeah no, Canada. And, 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 you know, um, the gal that does that, that... Uh, uh, stillness in the storm or thing or th- what's her site maybe that's not it maybe she's no she's a um oh i'm blanking on her site but she's a third generation like uh real estate developer land person in california and she's she's been trying to scream about this directed energy weapons zorching houses in in places they wanted to take for a long time we just haven't been paying attention so this has been going on and we have all we have documents that they know how to do this we have the plane pictures we know how to do that. We know they're doing this. We know sure. how to do this. Yeah. You know, this is, and then there's also the weather warfare. So this is all coming together. Now the weather warfare is different than the zorching of the houses with the lasers, but the weather warfare, look at what's happening. In, I lived in San Diego and that doesn't ever happen there or death Valley. What's having a flood. I mean, come on. And, and, and it turns out there's a besides the heart facility in, in Alaska, there's one in uh, Elkhorn, Nebraska. Interestingly, that's just not too far from where, that's where Royal Rife was bought. I just think that's ironic, but I used to have an, an, uh, an office not too far from there. And I drove by that all the time and wasn't paying attention. I just thought it was a big electrical Interesting. You know, thing. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's real. This is not just uh, conspiracy. This is or conspiracy theory. This is a conspiracy fact. And they're trying to, uh, you know, but, you know, the, the, the argument, I, again, I'm, I don't know about the eschatology. I just, at least in the short term, I'm here to save my children and the next generation. Amen. I believe in humanity, and I think we need to not just roll over. This is like when a rabid dog comes after your kid. You don't just think, oh, all life is precious. That's no, right. you kill the dog. That's right. And that's kind of where we are here. Yeah, and, and then, that's where that's where I want people to see. I don't want them to just go away saying, oh, I learned a lot of stuff here. How do we use that? And, you know, the Bible tells us that our war is not against flesh and blood. And so when I see these things, I, my immediate thought is these people have just seared their conscience. We have no, we can't wrap our head around how much they've, I mean, what is, how, how do you, ha, how much have you seared your conscience that you can do these things to children, which Jesus says, if you, I mean, if you're even going to cause one to stumble, much less do the things you're doing to them. You you should go get a millstone, wrap it around your neck, and throw yourself in the ocean. That's Jesus, you know, the Prince of right. Peace, and and yet He's saying this is what these people deserve. And I got to tell you, more and more, this is the the message of the Sons of Liberty. Yeah. If you if you will not repent and bow your knee to the King of Kings and the Lord of, because there's only one King, and that's the Creator, and it's Yahweh, it's Yeshua, Jesus, however you want to name Him. That's who the creator is. If you won't bow the knee to him, 
then you continue down this road, you're going to destroy yourselves. And if you've got these people, how are you going to confront them without a righteousness that comes outside of yourself? Because if we're all honest, like what you said before, we've all sinned before God. We've all violated his law. And if you just break it, it just in one place, you've broken the whole thing, the book of James says. And that's why we call people to repentance. But we also say, look, you've got to bring justice against this. And these people are wicked. They need justice brought to them. They don't need a patty cake or just push them out of the land because they'll just find another way to get back in. We saw that with what the Nazis did here. Germany may have lost, but the Nazis won because they expanded. So that's kind of where we're at. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you the final word on this, an exhortation to the people. You've given them that message. I think you agree with what what I'm saying there, but what would you, would you add something to that as far as, what what can the action be of the people together against those who are doing these kinds of things? Well, see, I think, again, first of all, the first people that are victims in war are people that don't have situational awareness. And that's what military intelligence is supposed to give you. You have to use discernment, but that means you need to educate yourself. Quit watching the mainstream media. That's just listening to Tokyo Rose in 1942. I mean, you just don't do that. So... You have, to, you have to realize these people, the, the, the things or people, whatever you want to characterize these guys, the serpent in the garden is still here. Whatever you want to call them, this is, they don't have a conscience. The people at the top, this isn't about conscience. They live their life by dull different set of rules than we do. Now, as you move down the pyramid, there are people that, that deserve some sympathy because they're not, they're trapped. They're not people that, 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 that um, started out this way. But you have, I think we have to realize we're not going to vote our way out of this. As much as I, I, I've always voted, I've always participated in the process, I've always thought that was the answer. We're not going to vote our way out of this. Now, we can, but, we, but by not cooperating, we could get it to stop tomorrow. We could get this to st- Think Amen. about this. That's all right. Come on. Yeah. Think about the, the hospitals. If 15%, at least 30%, but I'll bet 15% of nurses had stood up all over in the hospitals and said, we're not taking these vaccines. It would have gone away like that. Yeah. Amen. It would have gone away and we didn't do it. Well, you know, there was, there was quite a bit. There was, I mean, it probably wasn't 15. It wasn't 15%, but they had like, they had like, what did they have? 2,200 nurses that joined together and says, we're not taking them. And they didn't take them and they kept their jobs too. Yeah. Now that was in one hospital. In another yes. hospital in Texas, they all got fired. But but again, that was a big system that could switch, shift people around, I think. But but you are going to have, I mean, it's a war. Some people are going to be casualties. They'll eventually, if they did it right, they'll eventually get not only their job back, but their back pay. But, but again, I say to people, you know, I have nurses and doctors call me from inside the system saying they're killing people in the system and I've never seen anything like this and blah, 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 blah. And when I ask them to speak out, they say, I don't want to lose my job. And I say, you just told me you're living in Auschwitz. You're working in Auschwitz. Okay. You got to stop working in Auschwitz. And then you start speaking out because we're at that point, guys. You can't, we can't, you can't just cooperate. I guess that's my big thing. These are wordsmiths. Uh, You know, one of the things I said in the talk is these, these people are, they're like the, they're like all, it's like the Harvard professors of law today. They can convince you of anything. They can make justice be whatever they want to be, but that doesn't mean it's justice. It's not God's law, and you can't just get your, don't let them tangle you up in words. Just recognize that, that these people are sneaky, that the whole thing is very sneaky, and that some people you think are doing the right thing may not be doing the right thing. You have to use your own 
compass. And the compass is if you don't participate in evil, try to get the other guy not to participate in evil. But if he continues, then you, you can't be associated with that. Right. that. That is the biggest thing, I guess I would say. And, 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 and I think it also makes a difference to laugh at them. They hate that. You know, this is the well, God laughs that, at them. I mean, yeah, but Psalm two is very, that. yeah. Psalm two is very clear. They, they want right. to break his bands asunder. They want to cast his law off. They want to be like their daddy, the devil who wanted to be God too. And so, yeah, they want to do that. And what does the Bible say? It says he laughs at them because his king is going to be set upon his holy hill. And I think his kids ought to do the same thing. I mean, I think probably That's David exactly. ran out to Goliath with a little grin on his face going, watch what my daddy's going to do with this rock. You know, I, that's what I'm thinking he, he probably had in his mind is he charged for. And he didn't run from the fight either. You've been one. Uh, same thing. I've seen it with Kate. I've seen it with other people, uh, especially during the convids. They haven't run from the fight. They ran towards it. Uh, Publius Holda, a sweet little lady out of Tennessee. She was retired. <laughs> ja she was a JAG officer in the Army. And she said, Tim, I came out of, out of the out of my retirement because I saw what Obama was doing. And she started teaching people what the constitution said, not what it didn't say, what it said. It was very straightforward. She took you back to the, uh, the, um, I'm losing the Federalist Papers. She let you hear the arguments they were doing. And then she applied them to the constitution. And then she would bring the Bible in it. And, and I'm telling you what, I learned so much from that little woman who's uh, literally, she's about like four foot 11. I got a picture with her. She's about down to here or something with her heels on, but she is fiery. She knows what she's talking about. And, you know, I thank God that, that, you know, the Bible does say when, e when the evil comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against it. And I think he's doing that. It's taking some time, but yeah. he is raising the standard up and people are listening. And you know what? I've heard of people who have repented of their sin They've come to Christ and they're hungry. They want to know what God has said and what he, what he wants out of them in this life and, and what they're to do. And, you know, part of that is loving God, loving our fellow man. And if we love our fellow man, we want justice when people are doing evil to our fellow man. We want those people brought to justice so they're off the earth and we can, we can live in peace. But we have opened up the gates to foreign gods, like what you were saying there. The Arch of Bell, and they're in New York. They've set it up in some other places as well. And America has just become, you know, it's like what God says. He says, the nation that forgets him, he'll turn them into hell. And we're seeing it right before our eyes in a very short amount of time, Dr. Lee. Yeah, no, we really are. And and I think good people, let, let me tell you, there, there are lots of good people that that just, they don't recognize, they just can't believe it. It's normalcy bias. They can't believe what we're saying because it's just like that's not their whole life is that they didn't believe that. It's not all metaphor in the Bible. And it's not all, you know, when they tell you these things are going to happen, this is not a, just a, you know, I, I made a lot of people that, that they, and, and I was one of them. You know, I didn't, I didn't think, I thought Satan was kind of a metaphor, right? Until you see him killing your children in the street and then you realize he's not. We're if you if you have eyes to see, you see that going on right now, and Absolutely. that's why yep. you need to get away from the 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 who owns the mainstream media. It's not God's people. I will just tell you, uh, they the people that are running this show are not in our. They're not acting in our interest, so they cannot be 
people we want to listen to. And I will tell you too, the, 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 no matter how much, I'm not telling you all your congressmen are Satanists. What I'm telling you, they're all captured by Satanists. This, this evil structure of, of, the, of absolute control and secrecy, this is how they keep it enforced. They, they either, if you go up to Congress, if you elect, this is why we can't elect ourselves out of this. You go up there and you get elected in and you're a good guy. And I don't care if you are the most fabulous Christian man in the world, okay? You go up there, and then you're going to have three choices. They either extort you, okay, uh, because you've got some skeletons in your closet, or they bribe you because you can be bribed. Now, if you're a good guy, you probably can't be bribed, and you maybe not even have extortion capability. But then they threaten you or your family. And you may not even bother with the threat to you, but it's hard to then sustain this sure. when they're threatening to kill your children. But here's the deal. You've got to have the, the, I say this to every politician that's involved in this, because this is, and I would say it's probably everyone that's still there after a first term, because they always vote 95%, the conservatives, they vote 95% the way we think they should, and then 5% they do what in the Navy submarine service they used to call a crazy Ivan, where the, the, the Russian boat would just suddenly do something so crazy that the, the Americans had to, had to be, be, try to flee away and not get, not get hit. Well, the 5% of the time is all they need because the people that we're dealing with are from Babylon. They've lived here and their descendants have lived here. They've been fighting this for thousands of years. They can wait another hundred, for example, and they're slowly paving the brick road that they want to pave with these 5% votes. It doesn't matter what, what Ted Cruz or Rand Paul do 95% of the time. It really doesn't if they give them that 5% that paves that road. And so we have to realize this is beyond that. We have to stop, we, we have to clean up the control mechanism, and that's taking out these guys that are controlling all of us. Then when we elect people that are good up there, it might matter. In the meantime, my advice to all the politicians is, if it happens to you, do not, do not think you're going to do some good work by staying there. You're not. You just have to That's leave. right. Yeah. You have that, to use your own moral turpitude. And that's leave. exactly right. And that's why I've said, you know, D.C. has become the home of devils, uh, just as the scripture says. That's Putin what it's become. That. Yeah. And <laughs> you're in good company. <laughs> that's yeah, that's exactly right. It's become that. And that's why it needs to be abolished. You know, and, and, and look, I'm not talking about overthrowing it, you know, going up there and starting a right. war. I'm talking about abolish it. The right of the people is to alter or abolish their government when it becomes a threat to their security and their safety, which is what Thomas Jefferson wrote in the Declaration of Independence. Go and read it if you haven't read it. And I think that's the only way we're going to get there. It's either that or we're going to have to starve it by secession. And you know what? You can't get people out of the sentimentality of the old glory and all this stuff to deal with the real problem that's going on that, you know, we've allowed. Our fathers have allowed it. Their fathers have allowed it. And they're going all the way back to Lincoln and, and even further in some cases. We've allowed that to happen. And the only way to do it is to starve it or cut the head off of it or it's a multi-headed hydra with multiple heads we got to cut off uh but dr mm -hmm. lee thank you for joining us hang on and i'll say goodbye to you off air guys catch bradley at 3 p.m eastern 2 p.m central sons of liberty and then we'll be back with you in the morning dr brian artist will be with us then talk to you then see you